Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast, brought to you by Relias Online Learning. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, along with Pax Tipa Snow. And Tipa, I, I have to admit, kind of squeamish about our topic today. Oh. And and that's because we're talking about uh, sexuality, intimacy, and dementia care. Now, why is that? Is it a taboo subject in dementia care? Well, it's a taboo subject in the U.S. I'm not sure how Canada is. I think given the English roots, I suspect y'all were sort of like, keep that in the bedroom, not in the front parlor. Well, we're not much better, eh? Eh? I don't think so. So, you know, the thing about um, this particular group of us, the baby boomers, we said we were real liberal when it comes to relationships sometimes, but it turns out we still don't want to do it out there in public the same way. I mean, that's sort of like still like, ooh. So, you know, social mores are still social mores. You know, I don't show me yours and you show me your, I mean, show me my, I'll show you mine and you show me yours in public settings. I mean, PDA is actually an abbreviation, public displays of affection, you know, no public displays of affection or, you know, do side hugs or, I mean, we got all this stuff going on about where can you kiss, who can you kiss, how do you kiss, who do you hug, oh, and Lord, with... <laughs> Then a COVID, <laughs> it's like keep your distance, don't touch. So I mean, there's this added element of safety, but it is, you know, it is interesting, isn't it? That um, hopefully you find pleasure in doing it in private, but what we do in private doesn't tend to be something we talk about in public or even in healthcare all that much, honestly. This is a subject that I don't think I've ever heard discussed before in any way, shape, or form related to healthcare. Hmm. Is it because we assume that mom and dad don't do it anymore or they don't hook up with somebody else and do it? Or it's, you know it's very interesting. Actually if you young ask younger people about the sex habits of older adults, the first thing they do is ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's this ooh phenomenon. And then the next phenomenon is like, well I don't think so. I mean, really? Really would they? Oh, I mean, it's bad enough to see mom in a bathing suit, you know, or <laughs> kind of stuff. So there's a lot of opinion stuff and a lot of, well, of course, I mean, I'm sure they do, but not, I mean, I'm like, they're affectionate, but, you know, we don't expect there to be the same range of sexual interest or lack of interest that we see in younger populations. Yet it turns out older adults are a lot like younger adults. In many cases, we've got a range of interest and a range of behaviors and a range of sexuality issues and even gender identities. You know, it turns out we're complicated and knowing about other people's private stuff, whether it be physical body or interactions or relationships, it makes even healthcare providers, honestly, fairly uncomfortable or they're afraid they'll offend their patients. You know, they don't know quite how to bring it up. It's interesting how often that happens. So if mom and dad are still living at home, there's sort of, you know, that's one scenario. When people go into care, most often they don't go in as a couple. Mm -hmm. um, so does this create problems? And we know that some stages of dementia, there are boundaries that simply don't exist for some people. Right. So I, I, I can see that there's some need for discussion on that as well. 
Yeah. Well, even without dementia, one of the phenomena is sexually transmitted diseases in residential facilities because people have access to one another in a in a range that you wouldn't in a, you know, free living community where you have to make more arrangements and do more things. We put people in closer proximity and sure enough, the the number of sexually transmitted diseases that people are sharing about goes up and that's without dementia. Now, for most dementias, to be quite honest, there's actually an inhibition of sex drive rather than an excitation of sex drive. So I think the difference between intimacy and intimate touching and those kind of things compared to sex drive and, and actual intercourse and things along that nature, um, I think it's a lot less about intercourse, but it is a lot about finding somebody to have a relationship with, finding and touching and, and misinterpreting touching and enjoying touching. And our bodies become a thing again to explore and to, to test out and to do things. But because I can't see someone else's perspective, it puts everybody in a sort of vulnerable place because I like what I like and I want what I want and I'm not as able to figure out, are you okay with it too? Are you enjoying it too? Do you want to stop now? Oh, I was just getting started or I'm done now and you're not. And so it becomes, he, he's hurting me. And so this inability to see other perspectives, I wish I were just talking about the people who are older and have dementia, but it's also family members and staff members and media and faith community. I mean, everybody has an opinion. <laughs> in, in your experience, you've been to a lot of places and a lot of facilities. Do you think staff get any training whatsoever on this subject? Hmm. They don't even get training on understanding how if I'm trying to help you with intimate care and I'm right in front of you and I'm touching you in places that classically we'd only touch each other if we were going to have an intimate relationship, I don't understand that I'm triggering your reaction to me and that then labeling me as sexually inappropriate. Actually, you should be the one that gets identified as being inappropriate because you started it. You're trying to take my clothes off. You're trying to get up under my breasts. You're trying to touch me in my private area. I mean, that's because, as you say, you're giving me care, but I don't get all that. Um, and so I think it's not covered in any meaningful way. It's also not covered. What would you do if you walked in on someone and they were being intimate with someone else? And maybe it was just kissing or lying in the bed. Recognizing somebody lying in the bed with somebody else isn't necessarily about sex. It could be about, oh, you know, when I was little, our sisters slept together. It couldn't, it might not even be about, you know, oh my gosh, is she, is she homo, is she a homosexual? Is she a lesbian? And it could simply be, I was looking for comfort. Look, there's my sister and I get in the bed and I'm not even, so I think in answer to your simple answer to your question, there's no training to the best of my knowledge in general. Now that's not to say that Ontario a while back did work on this, but usually it only comes up when there's an incident. It's not part of typical training, honestly, anywhere. Now, I, I believe you were working on something on this subject, which I find fascinating, and I'm looking forward to sort of seeing the, the, the products. Yeah, we are working on this, and we have done this before. I've done it in states um, where it's become an issue, and 
you know, some some places are like, well, we'll do women only. And it's like, okay, I wonder how that'll work for you. Or we'll only do men. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, I'm still not, you know, or we'll only take an X. And it's like, humans are humans. So I think we better start figuring this out rather than assuming no touching, no touching. Because that's the other huge issue that I see is limiting how much people get touched. And it's like, all that does is create a craving for touch. Um, figuring out the balance of how we get this to happen. And when there is an issue that somebody's having because they do have a strong sex drive, what can we talk about and do about it rather than labeling and then restricting and hospitalizing and then medicate? I mean, we've, we've got to look at what we're doing that's supportive before we start becoming part of a law enforcement system. Tifa, is there information available through your website or is this something that maybe I should do a one-on-one -on -one with one of your consultants and try and get some, because yeah. it's, it's so individual. It's so individual. So, I mean, we do have some blogs and things. So if you're interested in just sort of even dabbling your toe in the water and going, oh, oh, maybe I don't, maybe this could be something else or just simply going, here's what I'm experiencing. So I'm really curious if you have any support that could maybe be best done by a consultation rather than you know, trying to read up on your own if you if you find that your brain is going, ugh, what's going on here? Tifa, thank you very much. That's great. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast brought to you by Relias Online Learning. Relias has recently launched Tipa Snow for Dementia Education on Relias Academy for individual professionals. Search Tipa Snow at reliasacademy.com.